Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It's time to talk all things Dirty Birds. It's Falcon's Flyover. John Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. Back at it in the key studios on Sports Radio 92.9 The Game. John Chuckery Show live on this Wednesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Braves have an early 1-0 lead. We're watching some all-elite wrestling. They're from Gas South Arena tonight before they head out to jolly old London, England. This, though, is your nightly look at all things Atlanta Falcons. It is the Falcons' flyover. You know, Day-Day, I'll ask you this question. Uh, Falcons Wire, which is part of the USA Today sports, and it's the Falcons' dedicated um, website, what have you, articles and, and different things like that. They have a poll up right now, okay? And mm-hmm. they ask, should the Falcons play their starters in the preseason finale? Okay. Now, I know how fans think, but what would be your answer to that? What would be your personal answer to that question? My personal answer is I don't think they should, but if they are, it doesn't need to be, it has to be all. So if, if we're talking offense, it has to be all the ones. And it needs to be, you know, equal time. So if it's a series, four plays, whatever the case may be, I wouldn't be mad at something like that. But I don't think they need to do it. So, as you can imagine, when they ask this poll question, um, the 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 yes votes were the majority. Okay, um, what do you think the percentage was? Yes to no. Probably like ninety five percent. Um, it's it's not that bad, but okay. it's, it's close. I mean, it's 84.13% yeah. say yes to 15.87% say no. And I understand. I yeah. understand from a fan perspective. However, it's a long season, and, and you have to evaluate guys that are going to, again, you don't have to evaluate Drake London and Kyle Pitts. You do have to evaluate the Penny Hearts of the world. And, and the J.J. Arcega Whitesides. That's the guys you have to evaluate. You don't have to evaluate A.J. Terrell. But your fourth-string corners, you know, you have to evaluate those guys. Right? I mean, we don't have to evaluate Chris Lindstrom. But you need to evaluate Jalen Mayfield. 
And I'm just saying that as an example, that you need this time to evaluate those guys. And especially when you have one less preseason game and without an extra bye, you have a week longer in the regular season. So I understand fans thought about this, but I don't think the starters should play. I'm in the camp of don't play your starters. I I know what my starters are going to be. I know what they are. And and playing four, six, eight, ten snaps in a third preseason game isn't going to change my mind. It's not going to make it any better. That's the reality of it. So, again, I understand all that, but anyway. Um, Scott Baer had a good article, and I talked about this on my podcast this morning, and and, and we're going to get into this with Tori McElhaney here. Uh, she's coming up in about 15 minutes from right now. But, you know, Matt Collins is is suddenly becoming a leader in this locker room, and Here's what he had to say after Monday's practice. Quote, nobody has a spot locked in our room. That's our mindset that you compete every day. I'm not a starter. Drake isn't a starter. Scotty Miller isn't a starter. Every day is a competition where you have an opportunity to prove yourself. That's how we'll go all the way through the end of the season. Every week is an opportunity to take a spot. I've been saying it since I got here. Quote, there are no free lunches. And I like that. Now, look, again, is the reality, you know, what he's saying? No, of course not. Matt Collins and Drake London are going to start. Kyle Pitts is going to start. But what have we heard all training camp long and even in the preseason? Competition. Competition, competition, competition. Guys getting after one another. Everybody competing against one another. That's been a consistent theme. And I think Matt Collins is really starting to become a leader in this locker room. Again, I'm not saying that Calais Campbell and some of these other guys aren't leaders or this, that, and the other, but it really does feel like that Matt Collins is starting to become one of those vocal leaders. And we know he's a little bit odd, right? He's the guy that doesn't want to wear shoes and all that kind of stuff. I mean, you know, God forbid, I, I again, I can't I – can, I can, Listen, Dady, I can barely walk as it is. I got to have some shoes and some support and things like that. But but anyway, I mean, look, it's he's becoming more and more of a vocal leader for this team, and I'm liking this, and, I, and I'm liking what he's saying, and I'm liking the mentality that he's bringing to this team. So don't be surprised if Matt Collins isn't one of these guys that we look back at the end of the year and say, wow, that was a really good pick. That was a really good pickup to go grab him. That that was a really good signing to be able to go grab him. So, again, obviously we're a long way to go, and we'll evaluate that come this time next year or come, you know, January. But I'm liking what I'm hearing out of Mac Holland so far. All right, let's uh, get to some audio. Here's Arthur Smith talking about how everyone feels great about their upcoming uh, season. Um, but we, uh, uh, but we're still optimistic. I imagine most people probably feel pretty good. We haven't played any real games yet. But, uh, the preseason games have been a good. There's so many different things going on that are different than regular season. So, yeah, we feel great. But I'd imagine there's a lot of optimism still around the league. Uh, we we got to continue. We got plenty of opportunity ahead of us before we we kick off September 10th. Well, look. Um, yes, nobody's played a game yet, so everybody should be optimistic. 
right? I mean, there's no reason to not be optimistic in all this. I mean, there's no reason to not be, you know, excited about what's coming up here and no reason to not be excited about what this season will hold. So, again, everybody's in good spirits right now because nothing has been played yet. All right, here's Arthur Smith talking about his philosophy on constructing the roster. Certainly for us it has for, for the Atlanta Falcons, but, it, but even in Tennessee there were so many transactions that were made. But that's, I think it's changed more in the last 10 years. I think there were certain teams. I think New England was one off the top of my head. I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out, but they seem to be pretty aggressive transactionally. But there's other teams that it was like there was no movement. And uh, I think the league has gotten more transactional. You can see it in the offseason, the amount of trades and, you know, people teams players change teams so much now. I definitely think that the Falcons are, even after all the cuts are made, I still think that there are players that they are looking at. Look, I, I've been very adamant. I, I want to see another interior offensive lineman. I want to see somebody sign. I don't know who that guy is. Again, that's what Terry Fontenot gets paid millions of dollars for. I don't get paid millions of dollars, trust me. I don't get paid four cheeseburgers, okay? So again, I, I, that's not my job to scour through all of the available players. That's his job. And I would like to see him more. Listen, I'll give you pass rushers, Melvin Ingram, Justin Houston, Ngakwe. Like, I'll, I'll give you guys that I know are on the marketplace that, hey, let's get one of those guys, right? So, you know, we'll, we'll see what happens. But I think the Falcons will be busy from a transaction perspective. And this is what Terry Fontenot's specialty is, right? Finding... NFL players to bring on your roster. That's that's his. He's pro personnel, right? Not necessarily college. It's pro personnel. All right, there's Arthur talking about ball security when uh, fighting for extra yards at the end of runs. I mean, you're, you're talking about ball security, whether that's ball going to get punched out. The guys have gotten pretty good at it, you know, in the open field. The guys, you know, there's a lot of different ways, but we're going to fight for extra yards and, uh, you know, certain things in the goal line, you, when guys reach out on second or third down, and we've seen those fumbles and out of bounds. Those are different, different situations. But it's hard to get a, get a yard in this league, and we'll fight for every inch. Well, again, um, look, their running back room is loaded, right? I mean, we, did, we didn't talk about this, I don't think, on the show, Day Day, but I talked about it on my podcast. Mike Florio has them as the best running back room in the NFL. He's got now, again, his uh, – what, what's his buddy's name? Uh, Chris Sims, doofus Chris Sims. He's got the Jets with the best running back. Are you kidding me? Yeah, well, I mean, I saw that happen once uh, they, they signed Cook. Uh, a lot of people were saying they might have had the best running back room in the league. I'll give it to the Falcons. I, I think the depth of the Falcons. Um, but – so that that was pretty high praise from – And, and by the way, I, and, and the stat that I did not know – if you take away quarterback rushing yards, okay, take away quarterback rushing yards, the Falcons had more rushing yards from other players that weren't quarterbacks of anybody in the league. They had the most rushing yards in the league of non-quarterback players. And that was interesting because I did not know that stat either. So, again, it's a really good running back room. And these guys are tough-minded guys, so uh, I, I don't think that we're going to have any kinds of problems with our running back room. All right, here's Arthur Smith talking about the physicality of Monday's practice in all of camp. 
Yesterday, I mean, if you go back and look at the tape, I mean, it was uh, about as physical as a practice as I remember up front. But nothing that was, you know, where it didn't get it out of control, where there was you know, pushing and shoving going on at the end of plays, where guys were saying, I mean, it was what you want from a from a padded practice and the work we needed to get, and even the quarterbacks feeling a little bit of the pocket, you know, guys. Those reps are invaluable, and uh, when you get, you can practice like that, so that's when you you know you change it up day by day. Um, but, the, but yeah, it's just your team's different. But yesterday and really this whole camp, when we've gone on the pads and been pretty damn physical. It is kind of funny, just only in the sense of NFL practices ain't what they used to be. You talk about physical. In the old days of two a day. I mean, look, talk to Hugh Douglas. I I talked to him. I, I I sat right, you know, two feet, three feet from him. Talked to him many times about all that. It's a whole different world though now. So anyway. All right, here's uh Bijan. How do we say it, Day Day? Bijan. Bijan no, I it, it, but you're pronouncing the J. I don't think the, I don't think it's a J sound. I think you still I think the J is in there, but it's just how you pronounce it. It's not Bijan. It's Bijan or something like that. It's not Bijan. Bijan? <laughs> Here's Bijan talking about balancing self-preservation and fighting for extra yards. Yeah, I mean, obviously you got to protect yourself. Uh, but then you want to, like, still die forward and get as many yards as you can, break as many tackles as you can. Because um, I feel like you shouldn't be an easy target to tackle. I feel that you should, like, understand who you're going up against and use different angles to break tackles. But... Sometimes you can obviously get kind of exposed. Uh, so really just kind of protecting yourself and knowing when to protect yourself because, you know, you got guys flying all over the place uh, and you're the one that they're trying to get. So really just understanding how, how to protect yourself and how to, like, get down when you're supposed to. Well, again, um, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, it, it is what it is, I guess, at this point. So, um, yes, there's self-preservation, but... Um, you know, it's just not the nature of guys to want to try to get down. But anyway, all right, here's um, Bijan. Bijan Robinson about uh, training camp was a huge learning experience and how to learn the offense. Yeah, I, I grew a lot mentally, um, you know, with, with playing in the NFL. Like, you got to make sure your mind, your mindset is always sharp and is always clear because uh, there's a lot of mental aspects that can get, you know, get to you, uh, get to me, especially like as much as I'm learning. Um, I kind of got a grasp of it. Like, we too. That's when I started to, like, find my regiment, find my routine. And then after that, that's when everything just started coming, you know, a lot easier for me. I remember – I started remembering everything um, that I had to remember. But, I mean, I think that just me, you know, understanding, you know, the game in a wide variety of, like, so many positions and, you know, how to use, you know, your talents in so many different ways. But then to – especially for me as a rookie, you know, trying to be a rookie and, and get the mental aspect of the game – well, positionless football. Look, I'm going to be fascinated to see in the first four weeks of the year, what's his carries going to look like? What's his receptions going to look like? Are they going to work him in slow? Are they going to work him in fast? Is he working heavily in the passing game but not the run game or vice versa? I'm going to be fascinated to see what his touches look like because you want to get the football in his hands as often as you can but how do they do that, and, and how does that go about? What if he's not catching passes? Do you start running him more? You know, it's all of those things that I want to see what he does. All right, uh, let's hear from the quarterback, Desmond. Now, are we calling it Ryder or Ritter? 
or Ritter. Ritter. Call him Ritter. All right. Uh, well, I guess we got to go to uh, the break. So sorry. All right. Uh, we'll we'll hear from him a little bit uh, later on here. Uh, we'll we'll get this at the nine o'clock hour because I want to hear what Desmond. What is it called? Ritter. He's Ritter. Not not Ritter. Ritter. Or is it just Ritter. 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 <laughs> Ritter. Anyway. All right, when we come back, Tori McElhaney is going to join us. We'll talk some Falcons foosball with her as we get ready for preseason game number three. Chuck, we're hanging out in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, 99 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is back. And so is MLB.tv. Watch every out-of-market, regular season game on your favorite streaming devices. Anywhere, anytime, all season long. Follow the action live or on demand. Track four games at once with multi-view mode. And catch up with in-game highlights. Plus, original programs, minor league broadcasts, and local pre- and post-game shows. Go to MLB.tv to start your free trial today. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Sports Radio, 92.9 The Game. It is John Chuckery Show coming to you live on this Wednesday evening as well. We get ready for final preseason game for the Atlanta Falcons coming up tomorrow night. We'll have all of your coverage starting at 5.30 with the pregame show right here on 92.9 The Game, your home, uh, your radio home of the Atlanta Falcons. Wes and Dave will have the call coming up at 7.30. Let's head out to the waitfor.com hotline. Let's talk to our friend of the show. She, of course, covers the Atlanta Falcons for Atlanta Falcons com. Tori McElhaney joining us here. You can uh, follow Tori on her Twitter page at Tori underscore McElhaney. Tori, as always, thanks for a few minutes uh, on the show with me this evening. Of course. No worries. You know, uh, I want to talk first about something that your colleague Scott Bear had uh, written. And uh, I talked about this on my podcast this morning. You know, I really like what Mac Holland's been saying as far as no free lunches, everybody's competing. We know that that's been a big theme of, you know, training camp and going into preseason. How much of a leader do you think that he's become on this team? Have you kind of seen, I know he's kind of a quirky guy, but, you know, has he really kind of stepped up in the leadership role for this squad? Yeah, he has. And it goes back to something that I think it was TJ Yates when we were talking to him the first day of joint practices in Miami. And he was specifically asked about Matt Collins. And he was like, 
Matt Collins has stepped into a role as a leader in this room, and not only in this room, but I think within the offensive unit as well. He's very vocal in a way that I didn't expect from him. I mean, this is a guy who has kind of been a career special teams guy, and last year was the first year that he really got any significant type of looks at receiver, and he goes out and has, you know, a a really good production in that year. And now he has the opportunity to kind of make something of himself as a receiver in this offense. And I, I think that's something that he's going into this year being excited about because he's like, hey, like, what do I have to lose almost? Do you think that the coaching staff has even been surprised by just his level of just leadership, performance, things like that? I mean, again, to your point, a guy that really kind of played a lot of special teams, but, you know, we saw kind of that breakout year. But, you know, again, this is Terry Fontenot's specialty is finding guys that are NFL players and bringing them in you know, to a roster and, and, and getting them to fit. Do you think even the coaches were a little bit surprised just about how good maybe Matt Collins is? Perhaps. I mean, I haven't asked them that question directly, so I don't want to, like, put words in their mouth that they haven't said. But I, I have to imagine that you go out and you get a guy like Matt Collins and you understand kind of what his history is and that there isn't a lot of film, per se, with him being a true, let's say, number two receiver. And, and so – you go out and you get him, and he's kind of this odd bird, I think you can say. I think he maybe would say the same thing about himself. And he he kind of comes in here, and he becomes something that I know I didn't expect him becoming when they signed him. And, you know, I don't know what the coaches feel, but I, I have to imagine there it's it's probably a pleasant surprise for them too. Yeah, and for the record, I have to wear shoes. I just I can't I can't afford to you know <laughs> slip and fall. But anyway, uh, Tori McElhaney joining us here on the WaitFor.com hotline. If we expect that no starters, by and large, are going to play tomorrow, you know, we even saw in the first preseason game where you know Arnold Ebicady did play a lot of snaps. Is there a guy or two that I don't know? I mean, could be a starter or. You know, could be, you know, somebody that they really want to evaluate even more that I'm not saying necessarily even on the on the bubble, but just maybe, you know, again, maybe part of why Ebicady played in the first game is just the lack of depth that they have at some of those positions. Do, do you feel like that's a, a guy that is going to play a lot tomorrow? Is there somebody else that you're targeting? Yeah, with with Arnold Ebicady, it was interesting because in the last two preseason games, I think I even wrote this at some point that it's it's been a surprise for me to see him playing as much as he is. But I think it goes, especially I remember looking up in the fourth quarter of that Miami game and he's, he's out there and I'm like, why in the world is, is AK out there? And it, and it didn't really make any sense to me at the time, but then the more I think you talk to coaches or you talk to Arnold Abacati himself, it's kind of like, maybe they have him working on stuff. He ta- he's talked about, wanting to establish himself as a pass rusher this year in a way that maybe he didn't last year. I know he made the joke back in OTAs. He was like, I left a lot of production out on the field that I really want to, to get back this year. And I think this year being a second year in the league, that's a goal of his. And so maybe they have him working on pass rush moves with some of these third string guys against Miami and the Bengals. And so I'm curious, I'm just as curious, I think as everybody else to see someone like, Arnold Ebicady, how much he does play in this third preseason game as I think they continue to, to figure out exactly 
what his strengths are. You know, Tori, <laughs> I know fans, you know, have been a little bit upset just from, well, we're not seeing enough of the starters and, and we need our guys to play more and build that chemistry. But in, in today's NFL, look, that comes from practice. I mean, that's not that's not preseason game action. I mean, that's that's more of a fan thing. I, I yeah. think I, I think that the first team did plenty on offense, and I and I've seen. And I mean, again, I'm not going to learn anything if they play five or ten more snaps. So I think they've done enough with their first team. Um, but really, these practices are, and especially those joint practices, are where you you get that. But I understand the fan philosophy just about we want to see more of our guys yeah and and i i understand that too and i i think we're both in agreement look i i'm never been i've never been one to really care that much about the preseason of course you care about the development that you see the guys you know taking steps in the right direction and all that kind of stuff and gelling together in practices but when it comes to the games themselves it, it to me it's I don't know. It's one of those things. I'm just like, just get through the preseason. Like you're going to see these starters. This is a long NFL season. You're going to see them. And the the longer you can hold them out in the preseason, to me, like I I was going to be fine if we never saw Kyle Pitts in the preseason. But you know, he goes out there and he goes out there in the first drive, the only drive that the starters had against the Bengals, and it's like, okay, that was enough. I don't need to see any more. And <laughs> it was honestly more than enough. And so I, I kind of fall under the camp of, you know, don't play them if you like if you have any reservations about them at all. And I, I, I but I, again, I understand why fans feel differently. They want to see these guys that, for a lot of people, have they haven't seen them play together. But again, you and I have been out to practice. We've seen them play together. We can see how they gel together. Mm-hmm. But I understand that the fans can't see that on a on a day to day basis. So the preseason games are. are the moments to see it. So I, I understand both sides. Tori McElhaney from AtlantaFalcons.com joining me here on the WaitFord.com hotline. You know, one guy who has really stood out in the preseason, and in fact he um, made pro football focuses um, preseason week number two uh, team is DeMarco Hellams. And, uh, you know, he, he's a guy that I, I, I go back to. I, I think that this is – I, I know he's a good player, but I think that this is a Jerry Gray influence, you know, on a kid like that where he's playing aggressive, he's he's ball hungry, he's going after things, he's making plays all over the field. He's really been impressive so far in these first two weeks of the preseason. Yeah, he has, and it's interesting because I'm glad that you brought him up because I actually wrote a, a full profile on him that ran this morning on AtlantaFalcons.com, and, and I talked to Dave Huxtable, who is, spent the last two he's now on the Falcons staff working with the the defensive line alongside Ryan Nielsen but he was at Alabama for the last two years as an analyst and in being able to talk to him about kind of building context to what Arthur Smith has said after every single preseason game of DeMarco Helen's the guy that we're seeing right now is the same guy that we scouted out of Alabama and that we saw show up for Alabama and in talking to Dave Huxtable it was like what does that mean? And he's like, well, you see him going out and laying the hammer with some of these tackles. And he was like, and I think something that he improved upon in training camp was exactly what we were talking about, where it was understanding coverages and understanding the right places to be and how to play certain guys in certain coverages. And it, that all comes from Steve Jackson. It comes from Jerry Gray and the work that they've been putting in. He's Dave Huxwell said that there's been a, 
definite jump in what DeMarco Helms has done in terms of the techniques and the fundamentals that he's using, and that all goes back to coaching. One thing I am a little bit uh, just confused about, and, and I hope you can kind of help me maybe make sense of all of this. So D. Alford had the punt return for a touchdown in week one, and we know that he may be a candidate, but he's not listed in the top three on the depth chart, and Mike Hughes is listed at number one, who hasn't returned a punt in the preseason, and I'm just a little bit confused about where we're at with the punt return game. Is it Mike Hughes' job to lose, or is it a D. Alford job to lose? I mean, where, where kind of are we with that, with, again, D. Alford not even in the top three right now? Yeah, I'll say this, and I, I mean this with my whole heart, soul, and being, the depth chart means absolutely nothing. And I, <laughs> so I would just take everything that you see there with a grain of salt because really and truly Mike Hughes isn't practicing right now. He's not going to play in this third and final preseason game. So it's hard for me to sit here and say that, yeah, he's going to be ready to go out week one and return punts. And maybe he will, but at this point in time, I'm, I would be more comfortable sending out someone like the Alford who we have seen return punts and, you know, practice in that setting. And so what that means for the future of the punt returner, I'm not sure. But I think for right now, because you don't have Mike, – Mike Hughes is working through that soft tissue injury that Arthur Smith said he is the last, like, two weeks and that they'll reevaluate before week one, I think that's kind of where it, we, we're left. What does your gut tell you – when you think Jeff Okuda is going to be back with this team? Well, Arthur Smith said that it would probably be sometime in the first few weeks of the season. Now, I'm going to be really, really curious to see if that means week two or if it means week three, or there's also the option to, you know, put him on the 53-man roster, come cuts on Tuesday, and then move him to IR. But then, of course, that means missing four games. So it's all about where they think he is in his progression in terms of rehabbing that ankle. It's like, do you think that – if you think that you can have him out there 100% ready to go in week two or week three, then he doesn't go on IR. But I think on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday of this coming week, we'll have more of an understanding as to what they are thinking with Jeff Okuda and, and what that injury entails. Last question for you, Tori. Give me one or two players that you think are on the bubble legitimately and have the most to prove potentially tomorrow night. Yeah, I'm really excited to see guys like Josh Ali, J.J. Ortega-Whiteside, uh, John Fitzpatrick. The, those three like pass catcher skill guys, I think, are you always kind of look at those wide receivers or DBs as places that you can kind of pick and choose from. And it's like, okay, how many receivers and tight ends is this Falcons team wanting to carry into the first week of the season. And so that's something I'm really curious to see, those guys especially, because I think everywhere else feel I feel pretty confident. And then, of course, there's also the question of going back to the guy that we were talking about before, DeMarco Helms. Like, you know that you have a pretty full list of safeties that are going to be on this team. So Jesse Bates, Richie Grant, Jalen Hawkins, maybe Micah Abernathy. That's four safeties. Are you willing to carry a fifth? And would that fifth be a guy like DeMarco Helms? I think he's shown out in the preseason. So did he do enough to earn a spot? I think Mayfield is on that list. 
I, I'm very curious to see. Um, I, I wonder if, because just this past week with practice, he's kind of slid down working with the third team offensive mm-hmm. line instead of the second team. So I'm, I, I'm just as curious about that one as everybody else, I think. Yeah, uh, I, I think he's done some good things in the run game going north and south, but the pass protection is still eh, a little bit questionable. But anyway, that's a discussion for another time. Tori McElhaney, you can find her on our personal Twitter page, at Tori underscore McElhaney. Check out all of her work at AtlantaFalcons.com, doing real good stuff there. And she joined me here on the WaitFor.com hotline. Tori, as always, appreciate a few minutes on the show. We will certainly chat again soon here. Awesome. Sounds good. Looking forward to it. You got it. John Chuckery. We'll be back. Sports Radio 92.9 The Game, the Odyssey.com app. Sports Radio 92.9, the game back at a Chuckery show, hanging out in the Kia studios on this Wednesday evening with you. 404-726-0929. That's our Solomon Brothers Diamond text line to be a part of the show. Right now, Braves are uh, clinging to a one nothing lead here as um, Charlie Morton has pitched really, really well uh, tonight. So he is now up to, I know he was at 9 Strikeouts. Yeah, nine strikeouts. He's got a five five innings, one hit, no run, no walk, nine strikeout night. And he's got 75 pitches. Now, we saw this last night with Elder, where when Elder came out for the sixth inning, all of a sudden he couldn't pitch again. Let's hope that doesn't happen to Charlie Morton. Be nice to kind of rest the bench. But Morton has been, I mean, nothing short of fantastic. And, and Quintana hasn't been bad at all. Uh, And the Braves have not homered in this game. They actually got their RBI from Marcelo Zuna. Uh, Riley scored. But uh, Ronnie does have a stolen base, so he's up to 59 steals. But um, Charlie Morton has been the the man uh, tonight. Five innings, one hit, no runs allowed, no walks, obviously no home runs, nine strikeouts, and only 75 pitches through five innings. That's pretty efficient. And again, that should probably get him at least six, maybe into the seventh. Um, <laughs> and somebody on Twitter last night said, Day Day, that I um, I put the the uh, phenoinks on Bryce Elder, bragging him up and all that kind of stuff. And I put the, uh, so I did, a, I did a mush, you know. Did you ever see, um, uh, you ever see a Bronx tale? Oh, yeah. So remember, remember when they're rolling the dice down there with the with the young kid and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. and and they and and they got the guy that no 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 I can't I can't let him see that face can't you know mush you know again I mushed him, you know I, again I mushed him last night so hopefully the same thing doesn't happen to Charlie Morton maybe we shouldn't even talk about his performance 
here tonight. Maybe we shouldn't talk about anything that's going on um, with it. But Morton has been outstanding. Braves clinging right now to a one nothing lead. So we are uh, we are in the bottom of the fifth inning with uh, a couple of outs right now, and uh, I believe Austin Riley is uh, at the plate. So we'll keep you up to date all night long about the uh, Atlanta Braves. As um, probably by the time we get out of here, we should have a victory or a loss. And again, we're hoping not just for a victory tonight, but the other thing is we're obviously rooting for the Washington Nationals, who right now they're down 6 nothing. So if they lose, no matter what happens, the, the Mets are still going to be a half game ahead. Right now it's a half game difference between the Mutts and the Nationals, and we were hoping for a victory over the Mutts, but then a Washington Nationals victory where those two teams would flip and Washington would, Washington would overtake the Mutts and the Mutts would be officially in last place. But as of right now, things not looking so good for the Washington Nationals as they are down 6 nothing at the end of six innings. So uh, a man can dream, right? We can't always get everything uh, that they want. So, all right, speaking of not getting what we want, let's get to something we call What's Bugging Chuckering. Don't look now, but somebody out there just got Chuckery ticked off. <laughs> like, that's hard. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. It's time for What's Bugging Chuckery on Sports Radio 92.9, The Game. Well, Jason McIntyre is at it again, and, uh, you know, you know how I feel about it. I, I, I don't like Jason McIntyre. I think he's hot take guy. I think he's uh, a minor league version of hot take Tommy and all this kind of stuff. And he's getting back into this tired old debate of Steph Curry versus Magic Johnson. And he's talking about how, well, Magic was drafted on the Lakers who had one of the four best players in the history of basketball. Okay, and, Kareem, and that's Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And then a few years later, they got James Worthy. Okay, uh, does Jason even know how they got James Worthy? They, 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 they made a trade with the Cavs, and, they, and they, uh, that's why they got James Worthy. Is, is um, What's his name? Not Ted Stepien, um, but um, was it? No, what, it, was it Ted Stepien, the, the old general manager for, for the Cavs? I can't remember now. But, again, it was a stupid trade, and the, the Cavaliers ended up giving up the pick that would become James Worthy, right? And that, that's, that's all that happened. That, that's, a, that's a dumb Cavs thing that they used to do back in the early 80s. But, nonetheless, look, I think both guys are magnificent. And, and, and his debate is, well, Magic was never the best player on the Los Angeles Lakers. Curry was multiple times the best player on the Lakers. Are you kidding me? Is that really our argument? With all due respect to Jason McIntyre, who I don't even know what year he was born, but I sure as hell know he's not older than I am and didn't live through every moment of Magic Johnson's career, who is without question, without question, the best point guard in the history of the NBA and a unique player at that. Remember in his rookie year, when he played all five positions in the playoffs, started at center in game seven, and they won that, and they won the NBA title. And by the way, he talks about, well, you know, um, Kareem's one of the best players of all time. Yeah, understand, when Magic Johnson was drafted, he was drafted at 20 years old. You know how old Kareem was in his rookie year? Kareem was 32 years old in his rookie year. 
32. You think you think Kareem Abdul-Jabbar in 1984 or five was the same player that he was in 1972? You think that's the same guy that we watched in the mid 80s for the Lakers? You think that was the same guy that was Lou Alcindor? And I'm not knocking Kareem. It's just everybody gets older. But he was 32 in his rookie year when Magic was 20. And did anybody think that Magic didn't revolutionize the entire league? Is the weight of the NBA, again, Jason, you putts, do you know how the NBA Finals were telecast day-day back in the late 70s? Weren't they taped or something like they that? They were on tape delay. Yeah. They weren't even shown live. You know why, Day-Day? Because the league was all coked out. The guy revolutionized the NBA modern game, brought the Lakers and Celtics back to prominence with Larry Bird in their rivalry. Showtime versus the Celtics. Jason McIntyre's a putz. I'm sorry. I, again, he's just a complete putz. I, I'm sure he's making really good money. I'm sure he's making great money because he's always on with his goofball buddy, Colin Calturd. They're always, you know, lockstep with one another. Uh, did you see where Calturd said the other day, like, he was going off on Geno Smith? How Geno Smith is never going to win the AFC uh, championship. <laughs> Only one problem. He's not an AFC. Exactly. It was going off about Geno Smith. Geno Smith will never win the AFC championship. That's probably because he plays in the NFC. But that's, you know, again. That, and, and he was ranting about it, too. <sighs> I, Jason McIntyre is just a, a, a complete puss. And then he says, then he goes on to say in, in, that, in the clip that I heard, well, except for a few years when Durant was with the Warriors, he was the best player on the Warriors. Okay. So, again, there were times when he wasn't the best player on his team, and we're talking about debating him versus the all-time greatest point guard. And again, Jason McIntyre is a complete tool. He's a complete nutbag. He's a complete goof. I, I really think that he's a guy that does things just to get the hot takey response. Like, he comes across as a guy who doesn't necessarily believe what he says, but wants to get hot take. And, and, and look, he's made a cottage industry of it. We got to, again, I, I said this to my last producer. We got to get more hot takey. We got to figure out how to get more hot takey. We got to figure out a way to just go over the top nutty and say the most ridiculous things in the history of sports broadcasting. Like, we got to get in that business. That business pays really well. Well, you just got to start, you know, you got to start saying you got sources. Yeah, that's true. Because yeah, nobody's gotta... checking who your right, sources right, are. Right, yeah, right. Well, <laughs> that's what know, they're doing. <laughs> I, listen, I was talking to one of my sources the other day, and uh, and, and he said that, um, you know, Kurt Rambis was one of the great forwards in his, I mean, whatever, I you know, again, we, we we just gotta find a way. We gotta amp up the hot takiness. Amp it up so we can be more hot takey because this has become a cottage industry for things. So anyway, that's what's bugging Chuckery. Jason McIntyre by and large just bugs Chuckery completely. So All right, who's got the most to prove 
tomorrow night. We can take your phone calls if you want to jump in on this. 404-726-0929. We can circle back to some of the conversation we had earlier. Who's got the most to prove? What are you looking for tomorrow night? I'm going to give you my thoughts about who's got the most to prove coming up. Chuck Ray in the Kia Studios. Sports Radio, and to the game, odyssey.com app. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.